walk the walk. Like, what would you give to a patient in this situation? Mm -hmm. And there are so many amazing practitioners. Go see one of them, whatever yeah. modality it is, because they all work. Yeah. It's about finding what works best for you and then start to treat yourself. If you do that, then you can treat people. You can't treat people from a place of less than or depleted. Mm -hmm. You need to be good yourself. So go do that, get your mind right, get your body right, mm -hmm. get it that good and, and build from there. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think self-care, I think finding a tribe within the industry, um, you know, whether that yeah. is you engaging another practitioner or a coach or maybe it might be time for um, a mentor to come into your life just to really, you know, enable you to uh, talk through that. Unfortunately, that's not something that's quite strong in our industry as much as it, as in if you're a psychologist or someone who you can really debrief with. But I feel like there would be, there's a way through for everybody and, and potentially it's just, you know, finding that the right person in the tribe to talk to. Welcome to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, practitioner-to-practitioner conversations to inspire, mentor, and learn from. We've got two great topics today and two great practitioners. So our topics, we're looking today at burnout. How the hell does this happen? How can we come back from the exhaustion and apathy, and what can we learn about preventing burnout as practitioners? So we discuss some very effective solutions. Our second topic is on changing people's health paradigm, and that's a skill set required by all practitioners to bring about lasting health changes in patients. So our two great practitioners are Dr. David Reading. David is an integrated chiropractor working out of contemporary healthcare in DY in Sydney's Northern Beaches. He specialises in how stress and sympathetic dominance affects people's health. We're also joined by Kate O'Flynn, Kate is a naturopath of over 20 years and she owns and runs Orbit of You in Cremorne, Sydney. Kate has specialised in women's health for many years and now is enjoying general practice. She's also a life coach and recently became a teacher in Vedic meditation. Don't forget to share, like and comment on today's podcast so that we can help the community of natural healthcare practitioners, support them and be there for each other. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. I'm Angela Carroll, your host, and we are in Sydney today at the Sofitel at the Wentworth Hotel. And we're just meeting at a round table with two wonderful practitioners, mixing it up a bit today because we've got a chiropractor, David Reading, and a naturopath, Kate O'Flynn. And we're going to be chatting about more common problems or considerations or concerns and challenges that practitioners have in clinic and so where we wanted to start out was really working on the big issue of burnout. So hi guys. Hey how's hi, it going? Hi Ange. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. That's pretty awesome. Thanks for having us. More than welcome. More than welcome. So burnout. Um, right up front, hands up. Who's been through burnout? David? Kate? Yeah definitely. Yes definitely. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I first started um I decided I was going to work six days a week, not take holidays. Like if I was going to make it in this industry, I wanted to know it was because I didn't have the skills, not because I didn't try hard enough. Mm -hmm. And then cut to five years later and I hadn't had a holiday and I was just going, oh, oh my God, what am I doing? And thankfully I met my <laughs> now wife who said, you're an idiot. 
what are you doing? Um, <laughs> and then started learning the things I needed to do to protect myself. And ultimately, the great irony was have loads more fun in practice, be much busier as a practitioner, mm -hmm. um, and get better results. I think we often forget that the most important thing is if, if you're not walking the walk, um, then you're going to suffer the consequences just like we see with our patients. Yeah, absolutely. What's your burnout story? Oh, I think it was when I went out on my own and set up my own practice and, um, and once again worked too many days and felt like I couldn't afford um, like full reception. So I was juggling practice, patients, ordering, unpacking boxes, um, running the reception most of the time. And, um, and it, I think it was two years in that I ended up with pneumonia. And at that time, um, I just kept getting sick and couldn't recover and ended up with pneumonia. And then everything stopped and changed. And I got a practice manager and full you know, time reception. You and saw the light. I saw the light. <laughs> and I think it was, I was not walking the walk. And um and I just kept taking herbs and supplements and thought that I would sort of get my way through. And, um, but because of that change, I did um, uh, have a wonderful practice manager who made many, many positive changes and changed my availability. And we changed the time of my consult, um, uh, my consult follow-ups, which were 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And just, we did a lot of massaging around the little edges and that gave me a lot more time and a lot more time with the patient to um, to really feel like I was giving them my best. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a big point. I see a lot of practitioners where they might be starting out or they're trying to be mindful of cost. Mm -hmm. So they try and take on the role as practice manager, practitioner, yeah. front desk. And ultimately, it takes away from the one thing that you're good at, like the, what got you to the dance, which was being a practitioner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I always love that saying that nobody can do two things at 100%. Mm. Um, so if you're doing those other roles, it takes away from what you're actually achieving in the rooms. Yeah. Um, and then I similar experience, when she, once you start getting that great team around you and you're not worrying like, was the electricity bill paid? Did I do the bass this month? Mm. And you're just going into work mm. with full present time consciousness of yeah. how do I be here for my patient? Yeah. Again, that's when everything flourishes and it's about moving from that fear-based mentality into Absolutely. abundance is which is what we talk about with everyone but when you yeah. start practicing it and seeing it yeah. makes a huge difference i think and for a lot of practitioners when they start out they don't have a patient base yes so they start all enthusiastic but also with a mentality of scarcity mm. and so that scarcity then just keeps on snowballing for some practitioners and the burnout like in your case you got pneumonia um, for a lot of practitioners, they just lose their drive. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like, what am I doing? I don't know if I can do this anymore. It's really common at around about eight to ten years into mm. practice from what I've been... I've seen it over and over again. About the eight to ten years mark, mm. it's like, what else is there? Is there something more? Yeah. You know, things have got to change. I can't keep going the way that I'm doing yeah. things here. Um, so that, again, it's the walking talk. Whatever you're telling your patients to do is something that you should be doing as well. Yeah, but absolutely. It's, it's also about making those boundaries as well, mm. about having that ability to be able... Because we keep give, we're givers. Mm. We keep giving and giving and giving. So when do you actually stop to replenish your own tank? Well, I mean, for me, the glue is meditation, 100%. Like, I think um, when I started um, meditating... It was really when I started meditating with Tim as my teacher that, that I, I'd sort of had a loose practice um, prior to that that I and, – and I really 
you know, I don't discourage patients from having a small practice to start with, whether they're using an app like Headspace or Smiling Minds. But it was when I really committed fully to a practice that I was um, meditating 20 minutes twice a day, that that for me just really started to change a lot of my um, I guess my, uh, uh, you know, that idea of burnout, of feeling that, um, you know, just, oh gosh, got another patient and I've got to write that email. And I just felt like I just had more time in every single day. And certainly my stress levels reduced significantly mm. too. It's funny, isn't it, how you spend more time doing something else mm. that then creates time in your life? Absolutely. And as I said, that's, that has been the glue for me. And that was something that Tim really did teach you know, all of us was it was really around if you kind of decompress the nervous system, then you will draw more towards you. Mm-hmm. And that might be opportunity or that might be time or that, um, you know, could be various things. And so a lot of people start the practice opportunity comes toward them they start to get busy again they get too busy they stop their meditation practice and then that cycle of burnout starts so they're really the ah she's just really maintaining that self-care and for me you know it is meditation exercise is really key as well mm. yeah mm. i found that too what, what what's your coping mechanism I'm, I'm the same i try and meditate every day um sometimes twice a day 20 minutes but i always get my okay, 20 great. minutes in yep. um and also if we put it into a practice setting i always try and make sure get to work 20 minutes before my first patient, spend 10, 15 minutes breathing, getting in the right space of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you have been doing all of these other things that we have to do as parents or sometimes as the business owner, mm-hmm. um, it's good just to reset, go in there with the right intent, clear away whatever has been through your mind mm-hmm. so that when you are walking in there, you're not like a, a screeching car coming into the garage, yeah. wheels falling <laughs> off, you're actually there with the intent of what you're meant to do. Um, And the other one, funnily enough, was starting to learn how to prioritise a little bit more. I was amazed at how many things I would get myself into that really weren't that important. Mm, Or I would be writing an email that I didn't need to write or looking into something that I didn't. I found that once I became more focused on what were the key things, what's the one thing that if I do could have a positive effect on all of Mm -hmm. the others... Um, is this other thing that important? Could I delegate that to someone? Mm-hmm. Um, and also to stop volunteering for things that I didn't need to do was a yeah. big one as well. Yeah. Um, but just practical solutions like that. But then also outside of that, meditation, exercise, mm. eating clean. Like I definitely know if I haven't been eating well, energy levels go down, mm-hmm. motivation goes down, then you've got a busier day and it gets a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't matter if you're a chiropractor, naturopath, banker whatever is that something like that it's how these little things all start to build up into big things five percent energy here five percent energy there and that can be a big improvement in your day or Mm. the other way conversely i really liked what you said about having like the goals and prioritizing because the majority of practitioners in fact the majority of humans just wake up each day and do whatever whatever the day throws at them for the day without an actual strategic plan so you go through burnout because you had spent the whole last several years meandering like a river instead of going you know directly to what you actually want to achieve so you get to the end of each year and go oh god the year's done I've been so busy but I haven't don't feel I've achieved anything yeah um so if you've got your goals your priority clarification so having a a, a coach is a great thing to have Mm. you know someone that can direct you and guide you and keep you accountable so that you stop yep doing the things that aren't important and you can they give you permission to say no yeah as well and if you don't have a coach give yourself permission to say no Mm, yeah absolutely I mean I think it is we can 
Unfortunately, I do feel a little bit like how you just said, Ange, with that, have I achieved all of those goals? And and sometimes, you know, there's that really big pile of um, Mm -hmm. journals that have come in and articles and just the numerous flagged emails that you just think, I want to commit time and focus and concentration to. So I'll do that later. But unfortunately, you know, not always the... um, the leisure comes in. And so I, I do think it's important as well within that idea of boundaries that there are clinic days in the absence of patients, you know, that you do mm-hmm. kind of yeah. mark yeah. up half a day where you do just really work on the business um, or sort of really wading through mm-hmm. some of that extra admin that you've sort of been sidelining because otherwise, you know, you do get to the end of the week or the month yeah. and, and it's just a, it becomes a heavy a heavy burden to carry um, into yeah. the next month. Because mm-hmm. you, you do you carry that, oh, my God, I have done into the next month and yes. then that just gets heavier and yeah, heavier. Yeah, and the endless courses as well. I mean, I, sometimes <laughs> I, would, seminar today. <laughs> I would love to know how many people um, buy online courses and do them because I mm. am definitely guilty of going, oh gosh, that looks fantastic. I'm definitely going to buy that course and then not necessarily making the time. Yeah. So I think that again is another cross out in the diary and commitment to mm-hmm. yeah actually doing that extra study or whatever it is yeah. Yeah. yeah another big general rule i try to enforce is every 12 weeks every three months getting away for at least a weekend minimum you take you can take time them, off yeah, yeah. and even compensating for those five years of no holidays yeah yeah definitely <laughs> i've definitely made up for them now um but <laughs> because of as you were saying what we do it's so energetically giving mm. all day you're giving 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 and mm. if you don't take time to replenish that yeah. you're just going to run empty quickly so yeah. it can be just a weekend down the coast it can be something more adventurous overseas but I even try to say to all my patients, like, make sure you're getting away. Get in the right headspace. And it turns into one of those things that is an energy creator. Mm. Like, people say, I don't have the time, the money, the energy to take a holiday. It's almost like you don't have the time, energy, money not Not to to take take a holiday. Because you, in Mm. practice, will have your busiest weeks. After that, you will find new ideas. You will look at courses and be like, wow, I'm going to implement that thing. Those feelings of overwhelm that you had before that of, like, how does this make sense? How does this all fit in? Go and you just come back at something with a fresh set of eyes. Yeah. yeah. So good. And it has to be a digital break. Yes. yes. So no emails. Yeah. Yes. If you can actually get rid of text messages, that mm. might be good. Yeah. I think as well what you're talking about, David, is rituals too. You know, I, I think it is that's your holiday, you know, every 12-week ritual, but is there a daily ritual? Mm. Is there a weekly ritual? Is there a yearly ritual where you are really connecting back to what Mm. that, you know, what that essence looks like for you. So, um, I mean, I think if you're not on the gratitude train by now, I think that's a very well now researched area. Mm. But even starting the day with something like a gratitude journal, a salute to the sun, meditation, prayer, God, dry skin brushing, whatever it is for you, I think that really does also start, you start to reclaim space, you know, in the day, in the Mm. week and so on. Yeah. Hugely. And you have these pillars that you can come back to mm. when when the other stress starts building up yeah what am got, i doing what am i not doing yeah you have this thing to come back to that's like yeah. oh here's my breathing exercises yes. or here's my routine or here's the thing that that grounds me again when everything is going out of control when the kids have gone mental when the practice is going crazy and you're just yeah. like oh wow okay i know that i have this non-negotiable time yeah. marked out and yeah. that sort of ties into as well like 
even with the office manager and hours is I found one big thing that worked well for me was making that time when I get to the gym or whatever it is, I had to make that non-negotiable. Mm. because there Like was, an appointment in your diary. Without a doubt. Because yeah. there were so many times it would be like, oh, Dave, can you just fit this next patient in yeah. or this has happened or mm-hmm. we can't. And you're like, okay, just extend my Wednesday, mm. extend my Saturday. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, I'll just miss the gym today. And then you're like, how am I doing this? Yeah. If I had a patient coming to me saying they were doing, they were doing this, yeah. I'd be like, you're mad. You yeah. know, you have to find that. And that's where ritual mm. and having these organized events, what are they, whatever they are, mm-hmm. um, is hugely important. And I think that's that also, I want to come back to something else on the ritual, but I think having designated times when you start and finish work yes. Yes. as well. So oh, I, I squeeze you in before I start. Oh, mm. I and then if you squeeze one person in before, you, you're going to be in the office at 6.30 in the morning. Yeah. You're not going to be out until 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. You know, the reality of it is. Yeah. So, you know, how can you actually designate those lines? Um, and a practitioner who does great stuff, he starts early in the morning, works through until midday, then he has several hours off in the middle of the day mm. and then does the afternoon shift. So that middle bit is where he can do gym, go for a swim, yeah. whatever he wants to do. Chiropractors time. tend to have that mi- that larger break in the middle yeah, of the day, Yeah, I was just thinking that's they? a very yeah. chiropractic... I've never yeah, understood model. why, why? Where yeah, it came I'm from. curious too. But everyone I've ever known, it's like a two, three hour break. Yes. I always just assumed it, it was that we had to be available when people were available <laughs> outside <laughs> yeah. of normal yeah. working hours. So yeah. um, you needed that time in the middle mm. to go get your stuff done. But mm. um, yeah, I, I think making sure your hours are right for you mm. is huge. That's true. And, and your chrono, chronobiology. So, yeah. you know, if morning's better for you, work yeah. mornings, if afternoons, evenings yeah. are better, do the evenings. Yes, yes. And starting that early, whether you're a busy practitioner or you're just starting out, because so many people, just like I did, you get caught in the trap of, well, I'm starting this practice, I've just got to be here seven to seven. Yeah. You know, when that phone rings. And then the great irony, again, is that that is not conducive to being busy. No. You've got to have those those shifts that work for you, Mm. keep them get them busy, have the mindset that when I'm there, you know, I'm mm. working, I'm, if I'm not with patients, I'm researching yes. till that builds up. It's a up. job. And it, you're, when you're there, you're there. And when you're not, you're not. Yeah, yes. just, you know, checking mm. in and out. There's yeah. no point going in seven to seven and like watching Netflix for three hours of yeah. that in the middle. Like, no. <laughs> Unless no. it's a health documentary, of course. <laughs> I'm still saying no. Unless it's game changers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, who hasn't seen that now? What about me? Oh, really? <laughs> the vegan movement is well and truly here. Mm. <laughs> so, I've, um, David, you brought up a, a, a lovely um, visual about, you know, screeching into mm. the clinic, uh, which is where I was going to talk about with, with burnout. One of the big things that we're finding with research is transitions and so managing your transitions. So you have these gaps in between. So you wake up in the morning. So between sleep and waking, that's a transition. And then the transition getting out of bed, what's the first thing you've got to do in the morning? Mm. And the transition walking out the door to go to work is another transition. So if you if you open and close each transition and keep it compact with the thought going into that transition of what do you want to be, um, who do you need to be when you get to that place? Who do you actually need to be when you're in that um, space? So when you're coming into work, you leave the family behind, you leave everything mm-hmm. else behind, you're there for your clients. And then in your break time, well, okay, who do you need and how do you need to turn up for that? Do you, is that your meditation time? Mm-hmm. So that it, and it gives yourself permission to shut your brain off for the things that aren't important mm-hmm. for that time when you need like to be there. Age, yeah. And that, when I started doing that, 
couldn't believe the difference in energy. Mm, wow. It was really powerful. I think that's huge. Um, and also being, um, as a little side point, being a male in the health industry, one thing I'd recommend to a lot of male practitioners is taking that little five minutes at the end of your shift to do a little breathing exercise, to have that frame of mind right. So then when you get home, yeah. you can open the door and be like, how can I help? I'm mm. here, what can I do? Because yeah. burnout just isn't the workplace, it's how no. it all fits together. So yeah, if you are had a manic day, manic in the head, get home and it's craziness and you can't you know, step into that role of you know, husband and father in a right way, like that little five minute break, mm. recenter yourself, come in so that you can be bringing mm. the right energy just like you want to with your patients. Otherwise, you don't want your patients getting the best of you. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So maybe we'll practice that when we finish our podcast. We go to the seminar. <laughs> How do yes. we be when we're in the room there? We take our five minutes. In between. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I'm glad you, glad you uh, took something from that. That's great. I was thinking, um, so any, anything else you want to add to burnout, solutions for burnout, anything before we move on to another topic? Mm. I think the big before we transition. practice what you preach. Yeah. Everything you talk to your patients. If if you're not meditating by now, like mm. start meditating. Yeah. That's a huge one. There's a Even reason that five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's been talking about that forever. Um, but you know, eat clean, exercise. Mm. Like the answers to health are always hydrate. You know, well, yeah. it's nature's remedies, isn't it? It's not. I think that sometimes um, uh, the cases that come through the door are, are so complex and increasingly so that sometimes that even the patient has forgotten about the basic principles, pillars, as you said before. But, you know, simply nature's remedies. I mean, even this morning I walked to the beach with my daughter and we had breakfast down there and, you know, we chatted and and I said to her, it's just reclaiming the Sunday, isn't it? You know, when she said, oh, this is so nice. And and then she said, what do you mean reclaiming the Sunday? And Mm -hmm. so, again, you know, for for me, that was an opportunity, I guess, to really realise that I had given so many Sundays away. And that's why I felt today that it was different because I was actually up and about and walking to the beach and and so on. So um, I think that was sunshine, that was community, you know, that was a lovely experience. And I ticked a lot of nature's cures just simply by that um, that morning ritual for me. So yeah, I think it's getting us out of the complex headspace and back into the simple headspace when looking at mm. burnout management. Mm. Yeah, I love that idea of whatever you're doing, do it. Like mm. be present wherever you are. If you're in yeah. the room, you gotta be present. You can't be the practice manager, you can't be the front yeah. desk. If you're being the parent and you're reclaiming the Sunday, be there, enjoy that. Don't have your cases going through your head. Don't be checking your emails. Don't be saying, oh, I've got to quickly write that back. Like, whatever you're doing, do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think being honest and authentic as well, and I know that's an overused word, but I, I think that sometimes the burnout comes from trying to be more than we are or trying to be something that we're not or trying to meet someone else's expectations. So I think definitely um, just working out who you actually are so that you can Mm. learn how to say yes, no, Mm. I don't know, I'm not sure, or whatever that looks Mm. like. I I do think um, some of the burnout is really a challenge Mm. of who we're trying to be. I think it's when your values aren't aligned. Yeah. Actually, so when, because I have a coaching business as well, so it's about value alignment for a lot of my clients. It's like, what are your values? And sometimes people live other people's values. Yeah not yours, which actually is a nice segue into our other topic we wanted to talk about was about changing health paradigms. How do you change patients' health paradigms 
um, because sometimes the, they're not health is not a value for them. Yeah. yeah. Or they have a different perception of what health is, or they're told by somebody that they've taken on their val- somebody else's values that mm. they need to be healthy, but it's not their value alignment. Yeah. And so changing health paradigms is is a struggle in practice for a lot of practitioners. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of patients drop out of mm. care. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm. I'd say it's probably like the biggest thing. It falls under that category of patient education as well. Um, is that the amount of amazing practitioners you see out there who aren't doing potentially as well as you would expect someone with their great knowledge doing. And it comes back to simple communication of what seems like a complex principle mm-hmm. of, you know, symptom versus cause, um, prevention versus symptom, um, symptomatic or reactive treatment. Mm-hmm. And it, it is really that one key thing that needs to start at the very beginning of a patient's journey another Mm. great overused word journey (laughs) Um, but yeah it starts like I'll even with a patient go uh, talk to them a little bit about what's going on with them and say Mm. by the end of today we want to start identifying what the symptom is and usually that's really easy that's Mm. where you're sore you know that's your sore tummy or your hamstring or your headaches but we need to start looking at the cause of it um, what is driving this? Is it the stress you're under? Is it the mm. poor food that you're eating? Is it the lack of physical movement? Um, and it can't be something that we surprise people six or eight weeks into treatment yeah. and they're like, oh, Correct. wow, we were doing all of this symptomatic stuff and now you're telling me health isn't just about changing symptoms. Yeah. It's got to appear at day one um, and tie in with that authenticity. Like you've got to be comfortable mm-hmm. as a practitioner and know who you are that you believe this, this is actually, you know, what you're doing, that health is more than just treating a symptom and convey that to the person straight away and not be afraid to do that because Mm -hmm. they've been brought up in a medical system where Mm -hmm. it's like, I've got a headache, have neurofen. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got reflux, have proton pump inhibitors. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just what it is. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, definitely not not a quick fix. fix. Um, But start shifting them out of that mindset with every interaction that you have with them. Um, and also respect that not everyone is going to come over. Um, Absolutely. Mm. Yes. Absolutely. Is, Yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think eventually. Yeah. Even if you're just sowing the seeds and they germinate yeah. another time, yeah. I think it's still a value to still communicate exactly what yes. you're trying to communicate. We've all had that person who comes back eight years later and I it's know. like, yeah, I, I remember. I, I remember you saying that. My yes. back pain was linked to my food intolerances. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, well, incredible. eight years, you know, like, yeah. we could have sorted this out a bit quicker. It is incredible. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I think that, um, that with, when we're looking at changing health paradigms, we need to first come in and meet the patient where they're at. Without a doubt. But we also need to have a plan mm. to be able to guide them through, but, but give them the big picture up front. Yep. So they know where they're going, where the path is. I, I really like, um, if we think of our patients like a story, we're always, we are the hero in our own story. We, everybody only really cares about themselves. Mm. Um, I know we're givers and we do nice things out there, but, but really at the end of the day, it's, it's our life. And So every patient is the hero in their own story. Um, they don't want another hero because another hero is conflict. You know, It's like somebody that's going to be challenging them, but what they... What they after really, this is looking back at human human psyche and how the brain works, is what they're after is a guide. So that they've got a problem and that's why they come to the clinic. 
they're the hero in the story and like any movie, like any story, that person goes looking for a guide and we, the practitioner, are the guide. Mm. But the guide needs to have a plan. So what's our plan that we're going to give and guide them through so that they can eventually make that journey um, through to health? Yeah. It's very Star Wars of you. It is very Star Wars of me. <laughs> the hero's it's journey. It's yeah, really very Jessica Campbell. When you look at it, though, every story, every movie that's yeah. out there has the same storyline mm. at, at the foundation. Mm. Um, and so how do we... Well, and in that, that theme mm. of Star Wars and Joseph Campbell, <laughs> um, there is... Um, the, the hero's journey isn't straightforward and it's not right. simple and it has its challenges and... And I think also um, letting the patient feel comfortable with that aspect of their journey as well. And even though as the guide, you know, to use your description, that you can see them through to the other side and you can actually sort of draw that for them, is that it is actually okay that there are the twists and turns and challenges and conflicts and, you know, I don't want to do this treatment anymore, I want to do this treatment or, you know, whatever it is that actually... um, But you're a constant... Um, presence yeah. in you know and and we're available and and so on which says a lot really for us the practitioner to be really clear yeah uh, for ourselves yeah. in the guiding process and showing them the light at the end of the tunnel so to speak mm. you know, where they're actually going to come out at the other end the solution to their problem if they follow the guidebook yeah and what you what you're going there through with that so how do you how do you both work through changing health paradigms? What do you? I think a big shift for me occurred in in this whole area um, when I went back to just. Uh, it sounds like my answer for everything, but working <laughs> on yourself, mm, like absolutely. going back and understanding what am I about? What do I believe in? Do I practice what I preach? Like, as a chiropractor, am I getting adjusted regularly? But I also have a naturopath I see, an acupuncturist, a massage therapist. Yeah. I joke I have this team of people that look after me. Yeah. And it's when you're practicing that, you're showing what you're doing in the community. Um, you know who you are, what your business is about, what you're trying to achieve. Mm. That's at the core of it because you can do all of these courses about education, patient retention, whatever it is. But if you have the practitioner aren't sort of on solid ground Mm. I find it's like building a house on weakened foundations Mm. and then from then it opens the door to have honest conversations with patients Mm. like then you're not afraid to take that step of like I know you've been suffering this for a long time and I know you've tried this medication there is a better way it's not an it might not be easier Mm. in the short term um, but you are going to get there I've seen many people get there but I feel like you can only have that honest conversation when you're in the right space. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And you're sure of yourself and the results yes. that you're going to get. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if I was your patient and you were telling me exactly what you just said, then I'd go, oh, absolutely, I'll do that. Yeah. Mm. You know, because I felt safe in that conversation. Yeah. I felt that you were my guide and that I was in a good place yeah. going through. So it almost sounds, is that something you actually talk to patients about using those words? Uh, in which, like as in? So when you're talking to your patients and talking about, the journey I'm just going to yeah. get overused today but talking about the journey that they're on you use that wording that oh, languaging without a doubt mm. I'll be I'll be very upfront and honest and be like okay most people come to me when their momentum has changed so that they have started being injured so they're a bit lazy can't go to the gym not eating as healthy now they're not feeling as great about themselves and that cycle's been going down and down and I'll be honest I'll be like it looks like to me that's 
that's where you're at. And like, am I wrong? And nine times out of 10, no, that's mm. exactly where I feel that. Mm. And then it's like, well, what we need to do is start changing this momentum around. We need mm. to find those little bits of low hanging fruit mm. where we can start to shift this. And this is gonna be something where, you know, six, 12 months down the track, you're gonna be looking back and going, how did I accept that this was life? How do mm. I accept that daily migraines was normal? How mm. did I accept that never having a solid stool was normal? Mm. Um, and from that part, like from the beginning, you're, you're being upfront that this isn't something where I'm gonna give you one supplement or one adjustment or one dietary mm. change. And you're starting to link in about how it's all related yeah. because clearly you can start to see that that stress you had is causing your leaky gut. Mm. Um, that that food you've been eating isn't helping you because your knees are swollen and you start to connect the dots yeah i um, think yeah the connecting dots yeah i think that's sorry jumping yeah in. no go for it i think that is hugely helpful in um shifting that paradigm because i think that when people actually do start to realize that they are sort of a whole being um mind emotion physical and you can start to say you know even in the case taking process when you're looking for the you know for the answer when you just you're hearing all the symptoms and you just haven't felt like that lock has that lock and key moment with a patient and then you're just like what's it but where were you two years ago new job new relationship breakup new house or and then suddenly they'll say something you know oh yeah I moved into this oh yeah this house and it was really moldy or whatever it was and you're like okay tell me more about that and so I think for them when they feel that connecting of their dots I think that is that a shift starts to occur then Mm. and then you can really start to timeline them and and I'm really quite engaged with that idea of a health biography. Like I do really like to get some chronological order for a patient so that we can really start to work out when things did start to change and potentially what those greater influences were around that time and ongoing to that. Mm. So when you say health yeah. biography, you mean that like a timeline? Yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. Mm. That's the great solutions. Um, we have got a seminar to go to, so... <laughs> It's been a great conversation, so I do want to say thank you for that. Thank and you. I think practitioners listening in will get a lot out of both of those conversations. We might come back and do individual podcasts with you guys <laughs> at some stage, <laughs> see how that goes. So um, if, if there are people listening that do want to contact you for your services as a naturopath and a chiropractor, Kate, where would people find you? Um, at Probably at www.orbitofyou.com.au, which is my clinic. Um, in Cremorne in Sydney. Okay, awesome. David? Um, Contemporary Healthcare, if you just put that into Google. Um, We're in DY, so yeah, just look that up and yeah, we'd love to see you. Great, (laughs) awesome. So this this podcast, the title is called Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. And so advice, what, what would your pearls, your words of wisdom be for practitioners out there that are challenged or that, you know, thinking about going to the industry or thinking about leaving the industry for whatever reason that might be? Um, my biggest pearl would be everything we've just talked about yeah. of walk the walk. Like what would you give to a patient in this situation? Mm-hmm. And there are so many amazing practitioners. Go see one of them, whatever yeah. modality it is, because they all work. Yeah. It's about finding what works best for you and then start to treat yourself. If you do that, then you can treat people. You can't treat people from a place of less than or depleted. Mm-hmm. You need to be mm-hmm. good yourself so go do that get your mind right get your body right Mm. get that good and and build from there 
awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think self-care, I think finding a tribe within the industry, um, you know, whether that yeah. is you engaging another practitioner or a coach or maybe it might be time for um, a mentor to come into your life just to really, you know, enable you to uh, talk through that. Unfortunately, that's not something that's quite strong in our industry as much as it, as in if you're a psychologist or someone who you can really debrief with. But I feel like there would be, there's a way through for everybody and, and potentially it's just, you know, finding that the right person in the tribe to talk to. Wonderful. All right. Thank you very much for today. Thank, Thank you. you for Thanks, us. Angela. Welcome. Thank you for listening to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast. Find us on iTunes and leave a review. Join our practitioner-only Metagenics Facebook group to be informed of new podcast releases, keep up to date with key industry updates and more. Visit metagenics.com.au to find useful links and resources relating to this podcast and sign up to our e-newsletter.